0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Fourth quarter starts. <laughs> <laughs> and Kobe said, You had a great game.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, my God.
1: Say, Yo, you, you had a great game, young fella. But I'm looking like bro. There's still another quarter. I'm look. I swear I looked at the clock like. Oh god. But I'm looking like it's twelve minutes. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like what you? What was that? You know what I'm saying? Like you ain't said nothing the whole game. I've been talking shit. I done stole the ball. I'm hyped as hell. It's Kobe Bryant. He ain't said not one word to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great game, young fella. You know, locked in. The man come down. You remember he came, shot, fake, shot, fake, threw it off the glass, caught it, threw it to the corner. I'm like, bro, what you on? (laughs) (laughs) Like, bro, you been regular all game. (laughs) Shot, get to the spot, shot, fake, spin, pivot over here, spin back on the foot, drop it off the glass. I'm like, bro, what's going on? Then he pulled up. I'm like... 35 feet on some Steph Curry shit before yep. Steph was doing that He pulled up and laced it I'm like, they called a timeout Dan Tony looking at me I'm like, bro, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't I'm like, bro, I guard everything, bro I ain't Nah, bro, I guarded the first two moves Code Code of conduct
3: Good morning Good afternoon Good evening and good night this is the Code of Conduct with the King podcast. I am your host, Jay Spencer King, and I am back. It is January 26th, Tuesday, the one year anniversary of the greatest Laker of all time and his daughter, amongst others, passing away. A bittersweet week, bittersweet month, period for me, feel like for the rest of my life. My birthday is in two days. And I remember last year, I was laying on the couch. And if I'm not mistaken, the Pro Bowl was on. And, you know, I'm watching it, but not watching it. And I'm laying there and I'm. And I get the notification across my phone where somebody said, Rest in Peace, Kobe, on Twitter. And I'm like, Here we go. Somebody, somebody killing off one of the greats again, you know, because you always see it. Like, Somebody's name is trending on Twitter and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, they're and I get tired of like the fake reports of people dying at at like some whoever thinks that those things are funny. You know, it's like, come on, let's let's stop. And this one turned out to be true. And it was one of the most, if not the most heartbreaking moments of my life as a as a A fan of of sports in general but also a Los Angeles Lakers fan and as a Kobe Bryant fan for a lot of people growing up obviously Michael Jordan was the guy I I got a chance to watch Jordan play when I was a kid um you know I was born in 86 he came into the league in 86 so um he was great and in in the 90s when he when they had that run he retired after um the 96 team and so I was 10 years old, basically, um, by the time that, or 11, by the time that Michael Jordan has, had won his sixth championship. So I got a chance to watch him, but I was a kid. So it was one of those things where I didn't quite appreciate basketball the way that I do now. So looking back, obviously, I can say Michael Jordan is the greatest. That guy was phenomenal. You know, he, he did things that nobody else could do at the time. But for m- my generation Kobe Bryant was Michael Jordan. I got to see Kobe from the time he came into the league while I was playing in high school and while I was trying, you know, AAU and all these other things, like Kobe was the guy that I watched, you know, amongst others, you know, Penny Hardaway and, um, you know, there's certain guys that, that really stand out for me because they're my guys. But Kobe Bryant was my Michael Jordan. You know, he was the greatest basketball player I've seen wear the purple and gold after, Magic Johnson, you know, and for that news that day, it was, it was gut punching. It was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I just wanted to take a quick moment at the beginning of the show to kind of just, you know, remember how great he was and and the things that he did. I know that, you know, there were some stains on his career for, for whatever issues. I, I see those things come up on days like today when we try to remember him what i will say is if you are going to only remember kobe bryant for a mistake that he made as opposed to the hundreds and thousands of beautiful gestures and then not even that the thing the man that he grew into i'm sorry if you can't see it and realize how amazingly beautiful of a guy this man was women's basketball everywhere should extend a huge thank you to Kobe Bryant. Basketball in general, everywhere, basketball fans. It doesn't matter if you're a Celtics fan and you don't like Kobe. You didn't like the Lakers. It doesn't matter if you're a Suns fan and we broke your hearts in the Eastern, you know, or the Western playoffs. It doesn't matter if you're a Spurs fan and in the battles between Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant You know, it was like every other year, one of those two teams were winning the championship. So I I get the competitive nature of it. But Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, man. Rest in peace to Kobe and Gianna Bryant and the others who passed away tragically a year ago on that helicopter. But, all right, I'm getting emotional. So let me let me move forward here. How are we feeling, Bills fans? How are we feeling? I've had a day now to to mourn and, and grieve. And now I'm starting to get back to. I guess what normal could feel like, um, it's still it's still something that is kind of unbelievable for me to to really think that we're not in it anymore. Like we're not playing. We're not playing in two weeks. Hats off to the Kansas City Chiefs. Hats off to Patrick Mahomes. He is phenomenal. He is absolutely phenomenal. And all the talk about the turf toe, all the talk about the concussion, you know, it didn't matter. There is, a, there is a reason why this game turned out the way that it did. We are fully able to see what that gap is. And as great as the Buffalo Bills played this season and as awesome as Josh Allen has been, and he is awesome, believe me, believe me. Bills fans, we're arriving. This is not the end. So I understand the heartbreak. I understand the pain. I was with it. You heard my show that I released yesterday. You heard the pain. But we're we're arriving. We are we are here. We're showing up to the party, and and we're getting comfortable. So you have that to look forward to. But there is a gap. And Tre'Davious White, Josh Allen, Coach McDermott, all of them made reference to it. Going forward, it's about beating the Chiefs. This offseason is about getting to that point as a roster, as a player, as a coach. The Kansas City Chiefs are not going to be your Achilles heel anymore. This is what this year is about. Hats off to the Kansas City Chiefs. Hats off to that defense. That defense played an exceptional game. Exceptional game. The Buffalo Bills had a great year. Kim and Terry Pagula have a ton of things to be proud of. Brandon Bean did a phenomenal job this year, and I believe he should be GM of the year. And if he's not GM of the year, he's robbed. <laughs> Sean McDermott should be coach of the year. If he's not coach of the year, he's robbed. Josh Allen should not be the MVP. But if, if there's anybody who has improved more than Josh Allen, point me in his direction. And I don't mean just quarterback play. Anybody in the league. I think the only person in the league other than Josh Allen who has improved this much or better has been Corey Bohorquez. But I'm going to give it to the quarterback 10 times out of 10 over the punter. But Corey Bohorquez has completely turned this thing around and he's done things that, you know, the, the way he was, you know, Joe and I joke about it all the time. That's why he has the jersey. He would punt shank it off the side of his foot he would then come out and have a bomb but then he would do something else and it was just a horrible kick this year Corbo Jorquez is one of the top five punters in the league granted the sample size was smaller than a lot of others he had less punts than we had touchdowns this year phenomenal stat phenomenal stat but for those 49 punts he did his job Corbo Jorge did his job so, Bills fans, we have a lot to, to to look back over and be proud of for the year. Um, you know, Sunday night directly after the game, I know, you know, on Twitter, like, people were trying to get me to be logical. It's like, look, let me let me hurt, man. <laughs> let me hurt. I texted Joe this morning and, uh, you know, he texted me to tell me great show yesterday. He could feel the pain and the emotion. And I'm like, yeah, man, the thing hurt. And he's like, man, it still hurts. <laughs> still. and And he's right. It still hurts. But let's think about all of the the hope that they gave us this year in a year where, you know, at least for me, it wasn't much to hope for. Like I said, it it started off with me with Kobe Bryant passing away. It started off like that. You know, COVID-19 hasn't been hasn't been fun for anybody. And I won't go down that speech again. I already, you know, gave gave my emotions and feelings and thoughts about that. But man, 2020 was not a year that the United States could look back on and say, oh, that was the best. (laughs) It was the it was the worst. (laughs) We lived through a pandemic. We lived through so many beloved people passing away. We lived through just sickness from so like just everywhere. The amount of people who passed away from COVID-19 last year, my heart goes out to the families of everyone. There is a lot of people who passed away who otherwise would not have passed away if not for a virus. Think about that. It was a rough year, man. It was a rough year. And our Buffalo Bills gave us something to smile about every week. Every single week. This has been the happiest season for me obviously (laughs) but but the talks in the morning at work on Monday mornings felt so much better when you win when the Bills winning this victory Monday and we had 13 of them this year 13 out of 16 weeks we had victory Mondays and it was easy for me to get on here and say good morning good afternoon (laughs) good evening and good night, and I had the best amount of energy because the Bills gave us hope and they gave us that energy. So don't look at this season as a failure. Don't look at it as anything other than a success that ended in a way that we didn't want it to end. It's heartbreaking, but it's a success. We made it to the AFC Conference Championship. We made it. We're here. Bills fans, the last two decades are done. They're gone. They are gone. At the end of the show, I asked Sal Capaccio, hey, if you could give a message to Bills fans right now, what would it be? And he gave a, a very good message, very similar to to the one that I'm kind of giving right now. But I, the biggest part of that message that I would like to give is that You do not have to feel like you're in an abusive relationship with your team anymore. You can let go of the painful memories. And maybe not let go of the memories, because they're memories. We had a ton of good times in those dark times. But you can give up and let go of the pain associated with those memories. The future is bright. This Buffalo Bills team looks good. And they will for the foreseeable future. I have a jam-packed show today. I'm gonna get right into it. I know I spoke a little bit longer than I intended to, but I wanted to give some respect to Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant and the and the others who passed away. And you know, and then also I did wanna just reflect on the season briefly. But today, I am excited to have a very, very good show. I have Mr. Steve Christie, the Buffalo Bills all-time leader in points scored. And then directly following him, I have the one and only Mr. Sal Capaccio joining me from WGR 550, the Buffalo Bills beat and sideline reporter. It is a great show. Please leave me some feedback. Hit me up on Twitter. Leave me some uh, comments on whatever platform you're going to listen to this on. Let me know if I could do better. Let me know what's going on. Love you guys. Go Bills. This is a Jay Spence exclusive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am excited today. I have a very, very special guest. We have the Buffalo Bills all-time leader in points scored. And for me, this is a treat. I don't care how anybody else feels. It's a treat for me. I have the one, the only, Mr. Steve Christie. How's it going today, sir? Good. How are you? Man, I can't. Well, I can complain, and I probably will today. I was <laughs> I was going to say I can't complain. But uh, we're fresh off the heels of our Buffalo Bills, you know, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship um at first thoughts what what are your what are your feelings how do you feel you know where do you stand
4: i i think i'm like the rest of the bills mafia you know the fan base for buffalo uh i'm down i'm pretty down about it uh i knew it was going to be a a tough task going arrowhead and taking on the 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 former champs and uh man i'll tell you after watching that though they have a great shot at repeating And, and as we all know how hard that is uh but then looking ahead uh you know, where I'm living down in Florida here, just south of Tampa. So we've we've obviously been inundated with uh, with Buccaneers, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, obviously a lot of talk about Tom Brady and everyone else. And uh, man, it's been exciting from that point of view. But uh, disappointed that our that our bills aren't going to be coming down here. Um, you know, it's they've come so far. They've come such a long way in, in a relatively short period of time since McDermott took the helm, and you know. I'm still so very impressed with what he's been able to do. But, man, you know, it's hard to come off of that.
3: Well, let's ask, you know, um, because you mentioned Sean McDermott, and this morning, obviously, you know, since everybody woke up and everybody was able to get their feelings out, so now it seems like there's actually a lot of criticism about Sean McDermott not being um, as aggressive as it seems like they've been throughout the season. Um, And, you know, we kicked a couple field goals there where at most points of the season you kind of think normally the bills would go for it there um how do you how do you look at the game you know the the calling for the game last night
4: well I mean you're to be quite honest you're acting you're asking a, a kicker um so my opinion <laughs> maybe everyone else who's, who's a lot more familiar with the x's and o's of offense and defense but uh a general overview from from my perspective is that you know in games like this you can't give up big plays and and that mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not answering your question as far as Sean's play calling and his decision to go for field goals as a kicker. You know, uh, Bass hit two, fi- uh, two from 51, did a great job that way. Um, uh, two really good onside kicks, we were able to get one. Uh, but my my big concern was giving up big plays, and we did, and that's yeah. um, that's what Kansas City does. And uh, you know, Mahomes just has that knack to, to throw. And so does Josh Allen, but they're both able to throw from no no stance whatsoever, no position, uh, and, and apparently he can throw underhand as well. Um, you know that he <laughs> brought everything, and uh, he showed he showed a lot, and he showed why he was the MVP last year. So um, you know, but we we didn't avoid the big plays, and I, and I, and you know, unfortunately, when it comes to big playoff games like this, all three phases have to be sound, and uh, you know, it was, it was it was a tough loss, and. You know we gave up quite a few points, and I think uh, it's hard to catch up. It's and I think what we gave up twenty one points in one quarter. That, that right. I think that's an issue. That's that's hard to overcome. When before that we were in the game, we were actually leading. So I mean that's how quickly these games can change. And, and these playoff games, as you know, uh, things happen quickly. And and like I said, twenty one points in one quarter. That's tough. That's tough to overcome.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. And um, to your point, I, I do understand <laughs> that I'm speaking to a kicker. So I guess I'll 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 re uh, <laughs> I'll re think about the way I'll ask these questions, because you're right. Uh, as a Bills fan, looking at the game and looking at the season, everybody just wanted the, the offense to kind of just be pedal to the metal. But you're right. Um, In, in most most cases, you want to take the points. So, you know, you do want to put points up on the board um kansas city's offense is so dynamic that it almost scares you to to take a field goal there but speaking of tyler bash you spoke about the 251 yarders that he made and you talked about the onside kick that we were able to recover this season i in my opinion i think he's had you know one of the better seasons for a rookie kicker even though it started off kind of rough you know he had the two missed kicks or a couple missed kicks early but he seemed to get it together once he got his nerves out um it, to me it looks like we have our kicker for the foreseeable future how do you feel about tyler bass
4: no i think i think he's done very well i mean you know he i think i think all kickers though are having a mental issue with this pat thing backing it up mm-hmm. and you know he he hit the upright yesterday and but you know all during the week i was talking about special teams and the importance of field position and scoring and and it's it is kind of weird because even though it's only one point there is a psychological uh let down a little bit when you don't get the extra point because instead Absolutely. of going up, you're up nine up, which you mean, you know, it, it translates to a field goal and a touchdown and you're losing opposed to being tied. And that does make a difference. And I, and I noticed in a number of games this year where it's seven to six and coaching does change. You do you, you philosophically, it changes because instead of being tied up, you're, you're losing, even though it's one right. point. I think there's, there's that effect of not making those. Uh, but it's not just Bass. A lot of guys have missed extra points ever since they put that rule in. And it has changed the game. It has made it harder. And it's it's obviously a mental thing. It's still, you know, uh, scratch over 30 yards. But, you know, for whatever reason, it's in the, it's in the head. It's, it's, every, it's affecting everybody mentally. But then, you know, as we know, he came out and hit 251 yarders and another short one. So, But I do agree. There are times in a game where, okay, time on the clock and the score is three points enough and and i can understand at times there's there's certainly as a fan uh you're frustrated because obviously you need seven you know you need to go down there and, and, and make a make a mark um and that's tough but i also it shows you know yeah you're confident in your kicker uh you know mid 30 degree weather that he's still gonna hit a couple of 51 yards so i mean he's uh, He's done really well at the end of the season. The last game he missed, two, but then so sort did of the Ravens. That was you know crazy conditions. Uh, yeah. After that, uh, I think he's got a bright, bright future.
3: Well, yeah, so, so the Ravens game, you know, Justin Tucker missed two. You know, and Justin Tucker, in history, I would think he's probably the most accurate or, the you know, the way he's talked about is that he's pretty much the best kicker. You know, so for him to miss two in one game, obviously the conditions had to be pretty rough. So, you know, I I didn't look at Tyler um, negatively at all for missing that kick in the Ravens game. I I just knew the conditions were horrible. Um, Speaking also, you mentioned field position, and I know it's a, a slightly different, you know, well, not slightly, it's a completely different position, but our punting team, our punting You know, game has actually been pretty good this year, too. I think Corey Borges has 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 really surprised some people because of his play. The last year didn't seem as consistent. It just didn't seem good. And this year, I mean, he has a cannon, man, and he's just he's constantly flipping the field for us. Uh, What are your thoughts about Corey Borges and how he's developed so far since, you know, obviously he had a couple of injuries, but he's he's playing lights out this year.
4: Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I've in college, and uh, I know how hard that can be, uh, especially in conditions and bad weather, and I think he's done really well. Um, I think it's also pretty interesting to note that he's hardly punted at all. Uh, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's a tribute to our offense. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, punting in Buffalo has never been easy. Uh, obviously, I played with Chris Moore, and people would, people would complain about Chris because he didn't have a 46-yard average he didn't have a 47 yard average but his net average was was really good and back then uh Bruce DeHaven, our Coast team said you know what if that return man has his arms up in the air for a fair catch in buffalo you've done your job because that eliminates the return so um you know yeah. i think that, that that's really important and plus he's done a great job actually at uh you know he's a pretty good directional punter too uh like i said though in a good way we haven't had to use him a whole lot
3: yeah, no, that's, that's been, it's has um, been refreshing and weird. I think for the season, I, I read a stat earlier that said that Josh had a total of 50 touchdowns uh, for the entire season. And then I think he punted 49 times. So that's an amazing right. stat in itself, you know, that we've had more touchdowns than we have punts. Um, I was while you were speaking, I was actually reading some of your um, just some of your history as well. Your background. I didn't realize that the, the kick that you made in the Super Bowl was actually the longest field goal ever. Um, do you have any memories of, of that? Like, I'm sure you remember it, but I mean, like, can you walk us through? I did not know that that's actually a very interesting stat for me right now.
4: Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those deals where we're on the sideline and, and when it comes to fourth down, I'm always standing next to Marv Levy or Bruce Dehaven, whoever, whoever the coach is. And, and I'm kind of waiting, Hey, what's the call? And, uh, I know Marv was thinking about it. You know, he has that split second of, okay, do we go for it? Or do we, do we kick it? And I, Chris Moore, he's like, ah, oh, he's got it. He's got. It. Chris always said that. Yeah, Steve's got it. He's got it. am like, but Chris wasn't even my holder then. Frank Reich was. You know, Chris wasn't even coming out on the field. I'm like, I'm in. so we get out there, and it's weird because you know it is a longer kick. It was 54, but you know for whatever reason, when I lined up out there, Frank was already down on the spot, and as I backed up, and I looked up, and I went, man, this seems to be a pretty long way. I better, I better really give it what I have and um it was a small consolation obviously it's all about winning the game but uh it was nice to get that one through at the time it gave us a bit of a lift
3: yeah yeah so well so speaking of those memories of the super bowl and and everything um what about this season from our this year's buffalo bills what reminded you of of you know what you were able to experience with the with the team when you made it to the super bowl or or just any if there's anything that reminds you you know
4: Oh, just just the fans and the excitement in the, in, in the whole area and, and not not just in western New York but in southern Ontario I mean the whole the whole Bill's mafia all over the place there are Bill's fans down here in Florida last night we went to a place and it was full of Bill, uh, Bill's fans uh we're international and I think just the similarity was how excited everybody 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 was just so behind the team and, and uplifted and and I think it was a great time now now with COVID and everything else going on politically in the country, uh, it was something to take everyone away from that and to say, "Hey, look, you know, this is something that we all get behind together." And uh, albeit, I think it's a shame that the, that the players didn't get experience, uh, you know, playing in Orchard Park with a full house, uh, especially during the playoffs because it's it's mayhem. It's 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 unbelievable. Um, but other than that, I mean, the similarity is the fact that everyone. Um, you know, really backing the team and have something. And, and next year, it, nothing's going to change. I think that team's just going to keep getting better, um, and that that fan support's going to be there.
3: Yeah, it's, and we're going to be back. You know, we're going to be. I, I I can't. I don't want to sit here and, and call it like we're going to make it to four in a row like we did in the '90s. But but no, we'll definitely be back. This team has has. Um, I, I believe in what Brandon Bean and what Sean McDermott are doing. I think that they have a good plan and. And, you know, for for the team to to be where we are now, as opposed to where we were four years ago, you know, it's it's absolutely amazing how quickly this team has turned around. I mentioned on, on an earlier pod that, um, you know, previously Buffalo used to be looked at as kind of like, you know, it's the end of your career for most guys or, you know, it's, it's a punishment to be traded there or anything like that. Now it's it's a preferred destination. um. What do you think or who do you think or what type of position do you feel like we need to target going forward after after watching the game and seeing how it went through? What what steps do you think Brandon Bean needs to take to improve in order for us to take that next step?
4: You know, I think I think it's interesting what you're saying about players not wanting to come to Buffalo because, I mean, I left the Buccaneers to come up to Buffalo back in the early 90s. Now, of course, from Buccaneer team than what we're seeing now. Uh, I think with free agency and and some of the players that are available, obviously with the cap, you have to consider your the funds available. But um, I'm always a firm believer in depth. I mean, because you just cannot you can't control injuries and injury situations. Uh, Picking up digs was a fantastic signing, Um, you know to hide a uh, couple years back picking him. I mean, they made some great choices in the free agent market, and I think they have to continue to do that. Uh, for me, it's all about depth and continuing to improve the, the first stringers. You know, everybody has to get, get better, and, and um, you know, it's kind of a professional thing where, you know, uh, it's weird because with, with, a, with a professional football team, you only have one kicker on the roster usually and one punter. But you also know there's 10 guys behind you that, you know, they'll take your job in a second Mm -hmm. well there's that professional but also as far as once your team is then it's all about what is the city and how do we get better as a team collectively how do we come back and say you know what we've learned from this we're not going to let it happen again and and be and and as hard as you're saying to come back every four years right you know that's who knows uh but the fact that kansas city is coming back to defend is is -hmm. impressive in itself and if you look at what Andy Reid's done, uh, um, you know, his running game, his wide receivers, and of course his quarterback, and it's it's incredible weapons that they have. And I think it's a case of back in the 90s with Bill Pulley and Marv Levy, how do we keep the nucleus of this team together? That's also a challenge because as guys get older and salaries increase and free agency hits us as well as it hits other teams, who do you keep, who do you pay? And that that's a challenge as well. And What made Buffalo special about the early 90s was, like I said, Bill Poley and Mario Levy, hey, shelling out the money to keep the core of the guys, the Hall of Famers, on the team. And with that being said, you let those guys lead. You let those guys teach the young guys. And that's how you improve and you get the young guys ready to play. And then, you know, that's where the depth comes in. And the other thing with that being said is a lot of these guys that were star performers as a line. Backer or a corner or a wideout in college, may not start right away. So their opportunity to play and shine is on special teams. And that is also very, very important. The better you do there, the more respect you get from the coaching staff and, and your and your teammates. But also it gets you used to being a pro, playing in front of the fans and doing it for a living, whether, you know, Hey, you may be just be covering kicks your first year, but a couple of years from then, you know, you may be starting as a wideout or, you know, a corner or a, or a linebacker. I mean, it's that progression too is very important. So, I mean, when I look at uh, free agents and and drafting, everybody says, "Okay, you always look for the, you know, the big name guys." Fine, but then you've also got what I call, like in hockey, you've got the grinders. May not be superstars, but you need them Mm -hmm. to be out there to make the team work, and that's important too.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, so, and you were just talking about one of the things that you mentioned that kind of sparked another. another question for me you're talking about how the you know obviously the Chiefs have have done the same thing and now they're going back to defend and um how impressive is it as as much as I hate to admit it how impressive is it that Tom Brady has gone to Tampa and he's back in the Super Bowl after an amazing career in New England and now so we have the the Chiefs and we have you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tom Brady's incredible as much as I don't want to admit that he's incredible what are you what are your thoughts about this upcoming Super Bowl
4: uh, well you know we were always hoping uh once the playoff situation sort of revealed to us that we were pulling for uh a Bill's box Super Bowl uh sadly that's not happening so um you know with Tom Brady uh, I think during the game they mentioned something about how New England really didn't let Tom coach a whole lot on his own they didn't let him call his plays they they're they it sounded like they were pretty restricting, but Bruce Arians, you know, the head coach in Tampa basically said, you know what? After a certain point, it's Tom Brady. You know, he wants to do, and I think pay dividends. Um, and, and the other thing I couldn't help but noticing is that, you know, uh, Tampa's look really, really good, look really strong, but they are going to be tested against Kansas City. Uh, but it also told me that Tampa had a pretty decent team. They were just missing a couple of elements. One of them being, Arguably the greatest of all time, um, love him or hate him, look what he's done. I mean, it's it's incredible how many time, how many has been in, how many Super Bowl appearances. He knows how to win, and you know, I, I definitely I think it's going to be a close game. I really hope I hope it's going to be a good game, uh, but I don't I don't have this week. I'm not predicting. Last week I predicted the Bills uh, winning, and I was pretty far off, so I'm going to keep quiet on that one.
3: All right. Yeah. I, 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 before we started recording, I, I told you what my prediction was, too. So I think I'm going to I'm going to hold off on making a prediction because I was I was wrong, too. So, <laughs> um. But hey, before I let you get out of here, man, is there is there any charity or anything that you're you know connected to that you want to take this moment to let everybody know about? Or is there anything that you have going on that we could kind of support you and help push?
4: Yeah, my wife uh, Kelly Christie, uh, she's a realtor down here, and oddly enough, we sell uh, or certainly help buyers, uh, predominantly fans uh, that are moving to Florida. So, if anybody needs any real estate down here uh, in the uh, Tampa slash uh, Sarasota area, my wife Kelly does have a job, and I'm licensed as well, but I'm kind of like you know the mop boy. I kind of do (laughs) I don't get the glory she does, but uh, she's really good. But uh, for a long time, uh, I I have been a big supporter of Camp Special Times in Rochester, which is a cancer camp for kids. And and, uh, we've done that over the years. And when I was playing, I donated for every field goal I made, I donated to the camp. And with that money, they built an art building. Uh, I was an art major at William & Mary. I still paint. And... um, that was just something that was really gratifying to be able to uh, give something back uh, while I was in the pros. Well,
3: perfect. Well, I will make sure I'll, I'll, I'll locate the information. And when I post this, I'll make sure the link is in there as well. So if anybody wants to donate, um, you know, you can absolutely please donate. And and hey, if you're moving to the Florida area, please check out Mrs. Christie, and you know, for some. For some property, you may get a chance to, to meet a legend at the same time. So, Mr. Christie, thank you so much for joining me, man. This, like I told you earlier, this is a pleasure for me. You um you're a legend to me. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. This is a Jay Spence exclusive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I told you I have a special treat. So, first we heard from Buffalo Bill's great Steve Christie. Now we're being joined by you know, another Buffalo Bills great, although he didn't play. He is the beat reporter and the sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bills, the one, the only, Mr. Sal Capaccio. How's it going today, sir?
2: Pretty good. You sure? You're sure I didn't play? I mean, it could confuse me with Steve Tasker, maybe. But, you I mean, I <laughs> know, not really. I'm just kidding. I mean, Steve is, is a great, but I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
3: man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Well, uh, you know, we this week so far, it's early, but it's um, it hasn't been a good week for us in Western New York. Um. I know you're you were with the team, I believe. So so how was that experience for you? How how was the game, you know, what was the environment like?
2: Well, we I it we haven't traveled on the road this year. So I wasn't with the team yesterday oh, okay. uh, the game and I haven't been we haven't been on the road this year. My, this is my seventh year as the radio sideline reporter, but because of COVID protocols and league rules, um we weren't able to travel on the team charter this year. Normally the radio crew, including myself, we travel with the team to the game, stay at the hotel. We just can't do that this year. Right, so right. yesterday, just like every other road game, uh, we broadcast watching the game via monitors, basically, from the home radio booth. We actually do it from Bill's Stadium in the same radio booth that we do uh, those. But, you know, we, we could still see a lot of things. Like, basically, when you're watching at home, you're going to commercial. We're seeing everything that's happening at the stadium. You know what I mean? And we're not seeing the commercials, and we're getting the raw feed. So I can't tell you what the environment was like around the team. Um, but I could tell you, you know, through the two playoff games, it was pretty darn incredible, obviously being at the stadium.
3: Yeah. Well, I I was lucky enough to, um, to go to the, I came back to Buffalo and I went for the the first game when, when we played the Colts and it was, it it was, um, it was an incredible environment, incredible feeling. And anybody who didn't get a chance to go, I'm telling you, it's everything that you feel like a home playoff game in Buffalo would be. Um, but you know. The I guess so the way I kind of started to preface that question is so you're you're a sideline reporter you're the beat reporter but it's well known that you know your passion and your love you're a fan as well you love the game you love the sport and I just can't believe you can be around a team this good and not be a fan so as as Sal the fan what was this year like for you
2: yeah you know I think there's a we always talk about how in this business you you got to separate being a fan and being professional. And, and that's true. You know, I mean, I think I, I think I can do my job objectively, but still want the Buffalo bills to win. I mean, I do, I make no, I'm not ashamed to say it because I grew up here. Uh, I grew up rooting for Buffalo sports and you know, I, I, I you turn on ESPN and Mike Greenberg roots for the New York Jets openly. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay. You can do that. And I know I'm a reporter whatever be objective, but I'm also on the Buffalo bills radio broadcast. Uh, you know, it's my seventh year there we're the flagship station. And yes, I mean, I, I grew up going to the games during the Super Bowl years, coming back from Syracuse university in a Greyhound bus, you know, as a poor college student. And, you know, this year was, it, I think the thing about it for me is I think I realized this year, and I, I've always known this, but it really came true. Probably like a lot of people, my, fandom is my joy comes from being with other people. My joy comes from experiencing it with so many other fans. And that's part of the reason why I love being the sideline reporter. You know, I'm down in the field. There's 70,000 people there and it's crazy. And, you know, and I, and I played and I used to coach high school ball. So, you know, I'm used, I I love the competitiveness and we're not in that, like that kind of environment and stadium, but I love being out there. But what I love is the fans in the field. And to be honest with you, like this year was just hard to get that, right? We just didn't get that because there were no fans in the stands. So, it was amazing, of course, you know, to go through this run and here's your team and everybody around the nation's talking about them. You're getting all the national eyeballs and all the talking heads. but It was hard to experience the joy of being with other people because mm-hmm. you couldn't. And, and that took a little bit off the luster of it, I think, for me. And And it's it's hard for me to even say that, but it's true because I, I need that, I think, to, to experience the highs and the lows with everybody.
3: Well, and you know what, Ned? It's funny you mentioned that. So the game that I did come back – um, to Buffalo for the Colts game on the way to the stadium Joe and I we actually were listening to to the broadcast and one of the things that you mentioned was how exciting it was for you that day because of how people were you know just you know speaking to you everywhere you went it was go Bills and people had on their gear and just the energy in the city Um, man it, it was it was electric for me coming back you know seeing ECMC lit up with the Bills colors looking at City Hall and um, the M&T building had, like, the pennant on it. So it, it was a beautiful thing to come back to. Um, but, man, it it definitely came crashing down, you know, with this AFC Championship game. So I guess – so now let's kind of transition to that. All season, man, we've had this high-powered offense. Josh Allen has been looking like, you know, he's he's been looking like what every Bills fan has been hoping and praying for. Why wasn't our offense able to, to replicate that yesterday? What, what happened that, you know – they actually were able to stifle us. And then we just weren't able to keep up.
2: You know, I think the bills all year their one of their strengths has been their wide receivers being able to figure out how to get open for Josh and Brian Dable, getting them open. Um, you saw the Baltimore Ravens get physical with the wide receivers And it was tougher for them to get separation. You also have a very banged up wide receiver core. We hear today Cole Beasley played on a broken fibula, right? I mean, it wasn't a break, but I mean, think about that, right? You know, that was banged up. John Brown seemed to be hobbled the whole second half of the year after he came back from being on IR. Um, And, and even, even, even Stefan Diggs was limited with an oblique, you know, a couple of times. But I think that they really got physical with the, with the wide receivers. Um, I think that they made it tough on them to get separation off the line. And I think that, A, caused Josh to have to wait, 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 hold to the ball too long. And then when Josh starts holding onto the ball too long, mistakes can happen. He can also make great plays. There's no doubt about it. But when he starts holding to the ball too long, he starts to look for something to happen. And that's when you might get a really bad sack or something like that. Or he forces a ball, which he did a couple of times early on in the game. They dropped a couple interceptions. And then obviously, you know, one went off John Brown's hands later. I think the other thing that happened was, and I give Steve Spagnuolo a lot of credit here, you know, they really, they really confused. And I think confused is a tough word to use because I think it makes it sound like Josh didn't know what was happening. I think they really disguised everything really well and it forced Josh to have to get in and out of plays. And he actually spoke about this after the game a little bit. The communication because of the crowd noise was impacting that a little bit. And then they were doing things late in the, in the play clock. And we said on the broadcast, either Murph said it or Tasker said it and and it was right I wish the Bills a little bit more would have just called the play and ran it that's why I think the no huddle actually worked a little bit early on just call the play and run it I think what happened was they'd call the play they get to the line Josh would see something he'd call an audible they'd check out of whatever he saw and now he's only got a few seconds left he's got the crowd Mm -hmm. going and I think all of that and I give Steve Spagnuolo credit for that along with what I said about the wide receivers
3: yeah and well it was interesting to me because you know it it looked like In a way, you know, going into the game, Bills fans had a reason to be confident because it's like, hey, you know, our offense looked the way it looked, you know, and and nobody could stop us. We went against Miami and we did what we did against Miami Uh, when we played against Pittsburgh. At the time we played against them, the defense seemed to be legit, you know, so we've been beating top defenses. The Colts played very tough. Um, And then last week, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens, same thing. The defense was very tough, but we were able to win. So fans had reason to be confident. It was just so disappointing that that we it, it seemed like, you know, we showed up to the track meet, but we didn't start running with the man. And it was just it's heartbreaking.
2: I agree. But, you know, and I, and I think that sometimes you just don't have your best stuff. You know, you're, you're in a game where I think when you see the other team has Patrick Mahomes and they start scoring points, you feel like, OK, we got to do something to make up 20 points right here. Right. And then you you start pushing a little bit. We've seen that happen before. Um, you know, but give them credit. They're a really good team. I think it showed that there's still a gap between the Kansas city chiefs and the Buffalo bills. I don't think the gap is as much as we saw though. You know what I mean? I, I, mm-hmm. I think that I, I, don't think the bills had their a game. I don't think they coached all that well. Uh, consider it seemed like they were even, even on offense, McDermott's decisions, fourth downs have been a lot made of that on defense as well. The way they coached, you know what they coached? Like it was to me, basically, okay, we're going we're gonna to extend this game as long as we can. It's kind of like playing and fouling in basketball. We're going to extend, mm-hmm. extend, extend. At some point, we're going to get a turnover. And at some point, we're going to make a big play, and that's going to change the game. But until then, let's just keep doing what we're doing and not be that aggressive and not go for it. And I think that's kind of out of character for the Bills. They've been very aggressive on offense all year, and they've been really aggressive on defense, actually, for the better part of the last you know half of the season, and that's why they were mm-hmm. making a lot of plays as well.
3: Well, and I guess that's that's what was concerning for a lot of Bills fans. I'm sure if you were even checking Twitter at all, you could see during the game how people were going crazy. Um, But to that point, and because we talk about Josh and we talked about how he kind of checked out of things and, and different things that he was doing. I've been like banging the table for the last six to seven weeks just saying, look, we really need to address the run game. And and by address it, I, I do want to preface this by saying I am a huge Motor and Moss fan. I am not saying that these guys are not good. I'm not saying that they can't be um, great backs in this league. The question that I have for you is what do, what do you think was the biggest difference from because last season, Motor in the playoffs, he, there was a reason why Bills fans were excited for this season because he showed those flashes and he showed moments where it's like, okay, this guy can really take over the game we didn't see that this year and not just recently i mean throughout the year it seems like our running game was kind of non-existent in in moments when we needed it or i felt or i felt like it could have really helped josh in certain moments um you know is the run game a concern for you at this point or do you think that now it's like look josh has the keys he's doing it let's just let's just ride this porsche
2: it's not a concern enough for me to say like they need to go spend some ass some assets on you know a big running back or a really high draft pick or something do they need to be better absolutely but at what expense i mean don't we want them to just give Josh Allen the ball and spread the field and throw it i i think that's that's the path to victory for this team and it was you know i did a lot of radio hits out of town radio hits leading up to this game and people ask pretty much the same question a lot of times they'd say what's is the run game good enough? Can they, can they still win without it? My response was generally, they've won 15 games playing like this. Now I know, you know, you lost one and you'd like to have a better running game, but this is who they are. And in the, in the NFL in 2021, that's how teams pretty much win. Look at the teams that are, now. I get it. Cleveland is an exception. You know, they run really well. There are teams that run really well that can win, but look at the teams that invest in running backs and high picks and pay a lot of dollars. Those aren't the teams that are winning. It's the teams, the, the four best quarterbacks this year were in, the Final Four, right? And this is this is how you win now. Do do they have to be more efficient? Yes. What's the difference from last year? It's a good question. I don't know. I would say that though they've they've shifted so much to a pass first offense that you know how it is in sports a lot of times. Like that's what they do now. So if you try if you try and do something else and be really good at it, you're probably not going to be as good mm-hmm. at it. You know, like I'm <laughs> I'm a Syracuse basketball fan. They run the two three zone. If they ever tried to play man to man, they'd be they'd be horrible, right? <laughs> because they just don't work on it. You know what I mean? So. Yes. Do they need to be better? I think so. I also think that they've been built to be more of a passing team. They're built their offensive line. Their offensive line, their strength is athleticism. Their strength is pass blocking more than it is run blocking. John Feliciano, of course, helps out in that regard. So I'd like to see a better run game next year. I have faith in these two guys and that Brian Dable will go and figure out better ways to do that. Maybe it's something on the offensive line. Maybe it's scheme. Maybe, you know, I hate to say this, and I don't think it's the answer, they didn't have a fullback this year either, you know. But maybe once in a while you put someone back there that can be a little bit, a little bit more of a threat to you no know, block and do a, do something. I also think the big big thing here is sorry, I know this is a long winded answer. I think they need more speed in the backfield. I think more speed would help. There were a couple times where it seemed like this year Devin Singletary had a chance to bust one and he didn't. If he just hits the hole a little harder or gets to the second level a little bit quicker, or Zach Moss for that matter.
1: Yeah,
3: no, absolutely. And, and, and trust me, it's okay with the long winded answers. This is perfectly fine. But uh, so, well, it, to your point about Josh and the way like now the league is set up to win passing and throwing the ball like that. There's been also some rumblings about Josh heading into the off season now um, that the Buffalo bills are going to be looking at probably extending him earlier than what most teams do on their rookie quarterback contracts. We still have the ability to, to, you know, exercise that fifth year option. Um, they have the franchise tag. If that, you know, do you anticipate us really giving him an extension this summer? Or do you think we're actually going to be a little more patient with that?
2: So the fifth year option gets extended in May and they could do both, right? You just, ex- you give the fifth year option and then eventually you extend them, which is what they did for Tredavious White, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think that's kind of the model for this. I think he probably gets an extension this summer. But I don't know if it kicks in necessarily this coming year. You know what I mean? And, and that's kind of right. what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, too. They really didn't. And the Bills did with Tradavius White. Tredevius White, you know, he's even, most of his money doesn't even kick in until after the fifth year option, which is insane. Um, he's got some that's happening in the fifth year. But with Josh, uh, I think you'll probably see him get his extension because let's remember, it's not just up to the Bills, it's up to Josh Allen and his agent. And, you know, if Josh Allen's agent says, look, I mean, my guy's done everything, he's MVP you know, runner up or third in the voting or whatever. And he wants some security. He wants you to reward him. You know, he could, he could, I don't think he would, he could make it messy if they don't. So I think that there's probably got to be some sort of understanding of, well, here's where the cap is. This is what we can do. But we also know that, you know, we want to get this done. So to me, it's, you give them the extension this summer, but you don't give them all the money yet. And you have to wait another year or so for most of that to kick in.
3: Gotcha. And I mean, I, in my estimation, I would I would do it the moment that you're able to. I would do it um, for, for different reasons. But the one thing that I think about, for instance, with Tradavius White, when we extended him, the money looked big. You know, it looks like, man, you're going to give him that much money. But the market goes up every single year. So sure. if we would have waited to extend Trey next summer or the summer after, you know, yeah. I just can't imagine what that contract would have looked like as opposed to now we have them wrapped up for the foreseeable future on a deal that will end up being team friendly. So I kind of want to do that same thing with Josh.
2: Yeah. And and that's what, and that's what this, they did, right? I mean, they basically said, because the money looks big, but by the time you actually pay him, he's going to, he's actually going to be probably about the fifth or sixth at best, you know, paid corner. Whereas, you know, within 24, 48 hours, he was like number three anyway on the list, but if the money doesn't kick in for a while, he's going to be down the list. And, same thing with Mahomes. You know, they gave Mahomes the extension. He doesn't get all that money. He didn't really kick in when they gave him the extension. I think the same thing's going to happen with Josh. You're hearing the same thing tonight about you know, Lamar Jackson. Their GM has come out and basically said, you know, he deserves it. So I think when these quarterbacks now show that they are their franchise quarterbacks, they they're they're going to get their money in their third year. I, I think that's going to be the new model here.
3: Yeah, and, and it's smart. It's, it's yeah. absolutely smart. So, um, so now, okay, so we're talking about rookie deals and we're talking about all this stuff. For the first time in my adult lifestyle, this is amazing to me. The Buffalo Bills are drafting in the bottom four of the first for my in my entire adult life. Now, when I was a kid, obviously, we went to the Super Bowl and all that stuff. But I wasn't really into football as a kid. You know, I, I liked it, but I didn't I wasn't into it like this. So now for the first time, I think we're what, 30 or or maybe 29. We're going to be drafting 30. What do you? What area do you see? And I know Brandon Bean is is a very very uh, firm about drafting best player available and not drafting for need. But hypothetically, if there was a position of need that you would say, you know what, we really should be taking a look at this at this position group. Where yeah. would you think I should, uh, you know, pay my attention to the system film this year?
2: So if you asked me this question a year ago, I would have said, oh, you know, probably need another wide receiver, and then they go trade for Stephon Diggs, right? Um, same thing two years ago, and then they signed Cole Beasley and John Brown. So obviously you have to think about free agency first. I think free agency changes the equation completely on this. We don't know Mm -hmm. where it's going to go. So I'll answer this as, you know, where they can look both, I guess you'd say. And you know, what, what position is as of right now, without knowing what's happened, free agency, who they're going to release and resign and kind of things like that. Um, I think edge rusher is something that this team needs. I think they need a legitimate pass rusher. The problem is. Do you get pass rushers like that that just walk in from college football unless they're drafted in the top five and you're a Bosa, you know, or you're Chase Young? You Mm -hmm. don't. So even though they need like a, they need a guy that every team knows when you line up on Sunday, we better have a game plan for him on the edge. I don't think you get that guy at 30. I'm not advocating trading up. So to me, you almost have to trade for or sign a guy like that. So I, but I do think that that's a need. And if there is a guy like that and they did draft AJ Epinesa last year, I don't think he's quite, you know, the pass rusher. He's to me more of a, Edge setter with a little bit of pass rush mixed in, I'd say that is one area to look. I think tight end is an area. Um, This is not a knock on Dawson Knox. I like Dawson Knox, but you saw what a guy like Travis Kelsey could do, right? I mean, we all saw. You you see what a Darren Waller does. Travis Kelsey, he's a unicorn. He's going to the Hall of Fame someday. We know these guys don't fall off trees. Neither neither do Darren Wallers. They got that. That was a really nice pickup by then, Obviously, you know he was on a practice squad and things like that. But I do think though that. There's something to be said for having more versatility and speed at the position. Da- Dawson Knox can be a matchup, but he's not an overwhelming. Like, oh my god, like this guy. When you go to a game against the Chiefs, despite having Tyree Hill and Miko Hardman, sometimes Sammy Watkins, you still better defend Travis Kelsey, right?
3: <laughs> <You> better
2: <laughs> Raiders. You have to defend Darren Waller when you go against Miami. You you know where Mike Geseki is. You know they're going to be looking for him. These are these are good players. So again, I don't want it to be a knock on. Dawson Knox even though it's going to sound like it I like Dawson Knox as a player I think it's nice that he he should be a part of this team going forward I think that they could use a much bigger threat especially someone who can really be much more of a speed mismatch at the tight end position
3: yeah I um every time I watch the Washington team I always say man Logan Thomas is one that got away from us man like just the way he developed and I get it he wasn't the same player back then and he developed well but man if we could have had somebody with his athleticism at that position now I just think it would have been it would have been so much fun with this offense so but okay so you you think tight end and that's kind of that's the position I want you know because to your point the Travis Kelthies even the George Kittles of the world you know it's like I know you don't get a top five tight end just every you know they're just not out there and available but just to have somebody that that can really be a game breaker for josh in that position that safety net because the way i looked at it before the injury john brown actually to me he served more of that safety blanket for josh he would you know always kind of bail him out anytime that josh would um you know would run and scramble it it seems like john brown was the guy that was found prior to his injuries i'm you know i'm hoping that we do it man like i'm hoping we improve because like you said the gap isn't as big as it looked I really do feel like the Buffalo Bills can really, you know, well, I felt like we, we should have played better <laughs> against the chiefs anyway. Sure. You know, so,
2: and, and, and let me say this too, because we don't know how free agency or anything's going to shake out. Like we, if you ask me this, maybe at late March, I might say linebacker, right? I don't know what's going to happen with Matt Milano, mm-hmm. but I would not feel comfortable just going into the next season with Tremaine Edmonds and AJ Klein as your starting linebackers. You know, I, I think now you, you probably have to look somewhere in the, and I think they might need an upgrade there. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, I know we could talk about it. That's that's a whole hour podcast we could do right on Tremaine Edmonds. You know, and and what, where he truly belongs and uh, how good he is and his struggles and things like that. Now, if I had to predict where they would draft, I think I would say maybe cornerback. You know, this team loves to to get good corners. I think Dane Jackson's going to get a legit shot next year, and he should. But it was at times a spot where they needed a better option opposite Tredavious White. Teams picked on whoever was on the opposite of Tredavious White. And we know that, you know, because of the way the game is played and teams spreading out how valuable corners are. So I think if I would predict right now, I'd say, don't be surprised if corner is, you know, their top pick.
3: That would be so, I would love to have two great talents on the outside, man. Just, just what that would do for our defense, because um the the, the biggest concern as a fan, you know, to me was the run defense. And I know that stars coming back. I don't know how much, If I'm being honest, I don't know how much help it really will be. I know he's a big, he's a big body down there, but when I look back at last year, Star, you know, we still had some times where teams kind of gashed us a little bit with the run. And I remember, um, I remember the Washington game and, and, and Peterson in the first half had like 100 yards on us. Now we fixed it in the second half, you know, but still he, he did that on us. And, um, I can think back to a few games. So, you know, I still, I was still very much like a, a a strong big body for that defensive line, but but I'm which I'm, I'm which we absolutely need that that edge rusher, but that cornerback man, if we could shut down that passing game, because I, mean, I feel like there's too many
2: times. I mean, Swaye was a 27th pick overall, right? I mean, yeah, you get one, and um, there there this league is littered with like late round or at least you know second, third, and late first round picks that are good corners. So I think you can find one, you know that college football develops cornerbacks you know that's a position that that translates a lot better in the nfl
3: well and and to that thing or to that point it's it's um it's easier in the late rounds to find a cornerback in a safety than it is to the edge rusher that we say we want or that that special tight end now you, you're right we can develop those guys you know antonio brown as a receiver was not a first round pick but he developed so uh listen man I thank you for, for your time. Like, honestly, man, this is, this has been a, a, a treat for me as a bills fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so lastly, like I said, it's been a great season, good playoff run. If you could give a message to bills, mafia for the ending of this season, the conclusion now, and now looking forward to, to what's coming, what would your message? I'm sorry. What would your message be?
2: My message would be that as much as Sunday hurt. And it does, it hurts for all of us. hurts for everybody. This is not an ending. This is a beginning. Yeah. And when this whole thing started with COVID and we all knew that we weren't coming to games this year, I know, you know, Bill's Mafia was people were really upset and rightfully so they want to see their team and all that. And, you know, I'm just a generally optimistic person anyway. I'm just a positive guy. Like I just, it's the way I live my life. Like why surround yourself with negativity? Right. So mm-hmm. I, so I would say to people all the time at the beginning of the year, I would say, you know, what's, you know, what really stinks. You're right. But you know, what's cool? They're going to be good for a while, and you're going to be able to go back to the stadium to watch when they're good. And I would say, guess what? As it appears right now, we don't know what's going to happen next year. But right now, think about this: it's over, it's done. Let's put ourselves in a positive mindset to say, the next time they play at home, we're all going to be there. You know what I mean? The next home game, it's going to be a, a packed stadium. So we, and let's hope that is the case. We don't know that, of course, but I think that's the message I would give people. I, I, you said when you were a kid, when you were a little kid, they went to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, like, yep. I don't know how old you were exactly. You can tell me. But well, I was, I was six. Okay, well, so this team, I have said this a, uh, for a while. This team reminds me of the 88 team. The 88 team just burst on the scene and like ramped it up. And we're like, oh my God, these guys are really good. And they went to the AFC championship game and they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the next year they went to the divisional round. They lost to the Cleveland Browns. Ronnie Harmon dropped the pass bickering bills. I don't want to go through all that again, but then they went to four straight Super Bowls. This team reminds me of that. They have, and I'm talking even from the organizational standpoint, like we're like, wow, this guy, Bill Polian's really good. He knows how to acquire talent. Yeah. We're like, oh, this guy, Marv Levy, like he looks like he knows how to coach, right? He's got everything buttoned up. Um, th- this team to me is right in that sweet spot where they're about to embark on something really cool. Now, who knows about getting through the Chiefs and all that? And I get it. Like they're going to be the nemesis maybe, but even if you're in the mix every year, and, and we're going to the playoffs and getting into a couple AFC championship games they' they'll, they'll eventually break through they'll eventually get one so mm-hmm. I, I guess my message would be to people just to think about that do not look at this as an ending and oh my gosh like you know be be upset that the the road has the journey has ended on this remarkable season which has been I would say look at it as a beginning to what's going to be a really nice hopefully decade of football in Buffalo.
3: We got to we got to get Sal to do some some pump up speeches like uh like our guy Cal Brant did for us man that was that was good there I know you didn't have the energy but you got me ready for next season already so All right. why don't you take a quick moment let everybody know where they can find your work find your content and then uh, if there's anything that you got going on that you kind of want us to pay attention to
2: yeah man I you know at Sal Sports on Twitter you know uh i I know that you know people say like oh puffing chest out patting stuff in the back I gotta say though. I just I just passed 100,000 followers recently, and I just can't believe that that many people would care about what I have to say in 280 characters. You know, I, I joke my own household doesn't care what I have to say about anything. So, you know, for anybody to, to do that, that's pretty crazy. Um, I didn't even know what Twitter was when I joined in 2009. I think I did it just to promote a YouTube channel or something. I have no idea and remember that. But Sal Sports on Twitter. And of course, you know, I'm on WGR. And and here's the thing you know, the season's ending, but my job is the beat reporter. I follow the team year round, it's not just during football season. So, you know, I'll be on top of everything. Um, I'll be on with Howard and Jeremy in the morning. I'll be on with Chopin the Bulldog in the afternoon, maybe not as frequently, but pretty much mostly every day. I still fill in. I'm kind of the sixth man off the bench there when they need a guy. So all that kind of stuff, you know, different things pop up from here to there. I'm very much involved with coaches versus cancer and the American Cancer Society. Mostly it's during October. Um, But, you know, every once in a while I have something going on. Real men wear pink. I have cameos that I do that people can book. You said get salad, do a pump up speech. People do that. They actually book me and they pay me twenty five dollars to do a pump up speech. And then every once in a while I have that money, go to some charities and things like that. So just a lot of ways that you can find me out there. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, everybody it's easy these days to do it if they want.
3: Or well, everybody, make sure you go and follow Sal. Go and uh, and you know everybody over there. You know, is we got the, the thing that I love about Buffalo, the community of Buffalo. Man, there's there's so many passionate people, and there's so much good content and good people. So hey, go follow Sal. Go follow all of those guys that he just mentioned. It it's it's a good time to to, to just plug into all of the content that you can, and then. You know, I'm going to make sure I'll, I'll post the, the link to the charity that you just mentioned. I'll make sure that everybody can, if they want to donate or whatever, if they can. Um, and again, so thank you so much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Sal Capaccio, and you know the drill from me. Take care of each other, love each other, and live in peace. Stay positive and test negative. I love you all. Go Don't Bills.